0: Hi, guys, welcome to the Powerful AF Podcast. My name is Bracey Dutton, and I share on the internet how I healed my food addiction by ditching toxic thoughts and ingredients. This podcast is all about empowering you with the knowledge to get on the other side of food addiction. A lot of it has to do with food and a lot more of it has to do with healing our mindset. We'll talk about healing trauma, getting rid of those nasty limiting beliefs that are holding us back and how to fully step into your power and own your life. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, keep listening. All right, guys, welcome back to another podcast episode on Powerful AF. I have a really special guest with me today. Her name is Rose and her and I connected in the realm of food addiction and food addiction recovery. The first time I heard you speak, Rose, I was just so connected to you and drawn to your story. And we've been interacting on social media for, oh my, I, maybe it has been like a year now, actually close to it. So I'm excited to go deeper, get to know you more and learn about your wisdom and all of the things. So let's start with, you know, who you are. Tell us about you, your backstory. And this conversation is going to be focused on food and our relationship to food, food addiction, and, you know, the tools that you have used to overcome or recover. I don't even know the language you use. So I'm excited to hear about all of it.
1: (laughs) I love that. Thank you so much. It's really good to be here. Um, <clears throat> I too uh, have felt a deep connection with with you and your journey and your story and your um, willingness to share your journey and your story with us and the world. That is a really, really beautiful thing and something that we need more of because it is not perfect, right? right? There is no like, Yes, I am here. I am on the top of the mountain. I You're have right. arrived at this. Like, I'm know? like, there's no
0: healed. You know, I don't. There's so many different ways to describe it. But the way that you authentically shared your story, when I heard it, I was like, damn. Yes, this is yes,
1: yes, yes. <laughs> because it's like, oh, the the struggle is real, right? Like somebody gets me, and I, yeah. I often, I felt for a long time, really alone and shamed in my own body. Now I know that not everybody has, you know, the same type of story that I do. Like some people lived their whole life, not really thinking about it and then gain weight, you know, in their thirties or forties. And they're like, what is this? And then realize that they had some kind of food addiction or it was like the little bit of all the chemicals that you talk about going into the body. And then all of a sudden one day they're like out of control. My story is a little bit different. I, I Um, you know, can trace back moments where it was very clear to me at a very young age that I felt very differently about my body. And it was uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And I had this like, I mean, I guess I call it weird obsession with food. And I I say weird because most of my girlfriends are not that way. Like the girls that I grew up with, like they were normal eaters. They could take it or leave it. Like when we got home from school, they were really not that interested in snacks. And I was like, gonna just pound it in until I was like, felt a little bit sick. And then I was ready to play And I I remember noticing, (laughs) I remember noticing that like, they didn't do that. And I didn't understand why. And I didn't totally question it. But um, when I was young, I mean, of course, you know, our society has very interesting perspectives on women and weight and that kind of stuff. And like that, that was there, but in my internal family, it was Really strong, right? It was like, you know, my grandma was always like, suck in your stomach and do it real tight. And it's like this walk like this. And it, it was like I put on your lips and it, she, she, God bless her. She was just very into like, you need to look right. Um, and you need to suck in your stomach. You need to walk faster. And like, you know, why are you eating that and that kind of stuff? And no. my mom, God bless her. I love her so much. And she's, she's actually totally okay with me sharing her story. She is another one of us that is very willing to share the story. Should it help either herself or another human being? And so I can really appreciate that about her. Of course, at the time, it wasn't so much, there was a lot of embarrassment, but I remember when I was around eight years old, my mom uh, had a lot of eating disorder, you know, issues and was always on a diet and up and down a hundred pounds and all that kind of stuff. And at one point she got her jaw wired shut to lose weight, to stop eating. And like, I totally get that. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Right. Like
1: how many of us like have bought those stupid gummies or, you know what I mean? Like, done. Oh, so many. Was- we could have a whole podcast on all the things we've done to try to fix the problem. Cool. <laughs> One time I went and I looked up, like I just Googled, right? Like, what are like the craziest diets people had done? And I got this whole list because I was teaching a class at a high school about eating disorders and food and that kind of stuff. And it's wild. Like the doctors used to prescribe cigarettes. They prescribed cocaine, right? Too oh. like <laughs> that works great. <laughs> you (laughs) know the fen-fen I don't know how old you are but like there was basically meth in a little pill it was like red on one side yellow on the other side they called it fen-fen it was freaking awesome yeah Yeah. I know (laughs) I mean it
0: was I've seen ads for pharmaceuticals for them um you know marketing to housewives that use this to stay thin (laughs) and then you basically just don't eat (laughs) yes
1: Yes. But like, like, it seemed like a miracle, right? It was right. like, that's what I was always looking for was just like for freedom to take it or leave it. Freedom to not eat just because it's there or some just because somebody gave it to me or just because it's a holiday or whatever, right? Like freedom to just say no, if I wanted to say no, like I didn't, I never had that freedom. And well, so okay, happened- go back to your mom and have her having that procedure and what happened next. Cause I remember, I that. know, I know. So she got her jaw wired shut so that she would stop eating. Right. <clears throat> and I'm young at this time. I'm like, don't really know what's going on. We were on a family vacation and we had a pillow fight and we were like throwing the pillows around or we doing all the stuff. And like one of the pillows bust open and there were those feathers just like flying all over the room. It was like, we we're like, ah! it was like snow. Well, one of the feathers, and remember she had her jaw wired shut with that like giant thing. It got, one of the feathers got in her like mouth, in her throat, and she couldn't breathe and she couldn't, she was like trying to like get it open so that she could get, and she was at the sink. And I remember I was like standing next to her and like her face started to turn like weird colors and she was trying to get the water in. She was trying to breathe. And I was just like so scared, like so scared. I mean, she ended up being fine, but I remember asking her a little bit later, like, Why? Right. Like why, like, why would you get your jaw wired shut to lose weight? Like why, like you almost died. Like what, like, why is that so important? And God bless her. I mean, she just shared with me what was on her mind and what her reasoning was at the time. Like she didn't know she was a food addict. Right. She didn't know that, that she, you know, it was like dramas and traumas from her own childhood and life that had like brought her to this point of where she was totally obsessed with food and her body. And and it just overcame her. And of course she ended up with somebody who had certain perspectives on, on body, but she also kind of took it and twisted it in her own way. And she said, well, your father doesn't like overweight women. So as if she was doing this to somehow please him, and that's what a woman is supposed to do. Right. And so like, that was, that was one of the twists that kind of happened in my mind at that time. And another one was, Oh, well, if my dad doesn't like overweight women, I'm like that's unacceptable. Like I better not I'm better not ever be that. I'm I'm never gonna be lovable. But I didn't even know what overweight meant. Do you know what I mean? I'm freaking eight years old. Like it just was this whole bomb of like craziness in my mind that I was trying to figure out and trying to understand and then looking at other people and looking at myself and realizing that like eating more wasn't a good thing, but I had already had that, that ism, that, that candy addiction that, you know, different than other people. Like it didn't show on my body just yet, but to me, and this is my memory, it was like, that was the point at which I, I really, um, started to notice my body different than other people's and, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting to kind of look back on it and just have some tenderness for like that little girl who was confused and scared, you know, like I've done a lot of work to let her know that like, I am here, like literally this is part of the work that I do with myself and with other people. And I play, say it's, it's intuitive now to like place my hand on my chest. It's very grounding, you know, and it's calming, and I just, I let myself, cause like, that's where I feel the, the angst and the sadness and the um, not okay in my own self, not okay. Just being me is like, I feel it right here. And, and so when I just kind of have some hands on, on my body and I let myself know, like, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. That was part of what happened when I was a little girl is I left myself. I left cause it was too painful. Right, and so I left, and I went searching out there for like somebody, something, some, some, something that was gonna like make me feel okay. Right, like I needed other people to tell me that I was okay. That you know, I needed s- substances, like all kinds of stuff, like to be okay. And I didn't realize that like I had it in myself. <sighs> You're making
0: me yeah. emotional. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, like, like in a good way now though right? right like I used to run from this feeling and this is why I ate because it was right. like oh that little like anxiety comes up and it's like oh like I know what fixes that I know it soothes that right. I know what calms that and today it's a little bit different like my natural reaction I was like wished I was the kind of person that would like go for a walk when they were upset <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be nice <laughs> And I didn't realize that, like, well, if you practice that, then you become that person. Right. 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 So, like, I've practiced when that, when that, like, little, like, ooh, like, I feel nervous or uncomfortable or not good enough. Or, like, it's that same feeling that I remember from that time when I was eight. And so, like, my natural reaction is just to go, you're okay. I got you. Like, I'm not going anywhere. You're safe.
0: So, how long did it take you? Like, at what point did you have your first awakening is what I know to call it to where you started to it started to click for you like how long did you live with with those being um apart from yourself I love that you I don't love that you experienced that but how you said I left myself to me that is what addiction is is being disconnected from ourselves and seeking outside of us happiness and all of that. So how long did you stay in that? Or when yeah. did you start to shift things?
1: Yeah. So I'm just going to tie up with one little like other part that happened around the same time. Um, When I was eight years old, it was around the same time that I started to become very aware and like very anxious and self-conscious. And I remember I was, I was in the kitchen, I was putting some cream cheese on a bagel and I love cream cheese, right? It's like really peddling it on there. And my dad walked by and he didn't know that any of this conversation had happened with my mom. Right. And he he didn't know anything was going on. He just walked by and he was like, Hey honey, don't put so much cream cheese on your bagel. You're going to get fat. And it was like, it's so funny you say like, when did it click to like, okay, you're actually okay and you can move on from this. And that, cause that was the moment that it really clicked into place of like, oh, you're not I know. Okay. Yeah, I'm not okay. I'm not gonna be okay. Like my favorite thing makes me unlovable. And it just crumbled me. And I ran to my room and I was like, sc- like scream crying. You know what I mean? Just like so upset <clears throat> and I had locked the door. And my dad came and he knocked on the door. He's like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) Like, he just was so confused. And I'm scream crying in there. And I remember wanting him to just like bang down the door, like, like physically knock down the door and come and hold me and tell me that I was lovable no matter what. And he didn't. I also did not unlock the door. And that took me a really long time to really own that because I held on to this, I want you, please tell me that I'm okay, that I'm lovable. And I wanted somebody from the outside to do it for me, but I locked the door and I pushed you away. And I said, don't come too close. And so there was this like constant kind of like, I want to, I want to draw you in. And that's kind of like with the food too, because I'm a binge eater, right? It's like, I, I, wanna, I want it all in and then it's, it's too much. And then I just wanted to leave, leave. Stay your, stay your distance, but come closer. But we don't, no, 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 no. <laughs> that makes it really hard to have a relationship with somebody like that. Mm-hmm. And so my relationships were kind of like funky and toxic, and um, you know, blamey and shamey and all kinds of stuff. You know, I mean, not only with with you know intimate people mostly, um, but with other relationships as well in my life. And so it 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 was a definitely was a, quite a journey growing up like that. Yeah. Um, and- Are you open to like, kind
0: of going along the timeline and telling the stories that you're willing to tell along your timeline? Yeah. Yeah. What do you, okay. what do you want to know? <laughs> well, I mean, as personal as you're willing to get, I, because I've had a very similar journey and I know that I have stories about crazy shit that I experienced in my life that happened because of that disconnection from myself like addiction like relationships like stuff like that um so I guess you know what happened next after that happened with your dad like the next couple years what did what did that look like for you in regard to your relationship with food and your relationship with yourself
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a fun journey, right? Looking back, you're like, maybe we should write a little movie here. So I gained 50 pounds in the next two years. There's a whole book. Right. Yeah. Right. So- (laughs) Um, And that's a lot on an eight-year-old body. 50 pounds is a lot of weight. And so I went from being like an average weight to like this obsession, which is so interesting because we now know how, and like, this is why hypnosis is such a beautiful thing because it's not just the food that you eat, that obsession and the fear, like it would keep me so locked. And it was like almost impossible not to gain weight. Right. Cause it was always like, well, I'm going to be better tomorrow, but I got to get it all in now. <laughs> right. Right. And so I started that at eight years old and I gained 50 pounds in two years. And like, my dad was sad for me, you know what I mean? And, and was like, Hey, we need to like step it up here. And my mom with her gaining a hundred pounds and losing a hundred pounds and her, all of her like, you know, issues. And they blamed each other for my weight. And so they sent me to fat camp. So I was gone for an entire summer at 10 years old, uh, like three and a half months. And I lost that weight and I came back. I mean, they, you know, they taught basically it was just moderation, right? Like we, it was lots of exercise, you know, eat less, exercise more kind of a, kind of a thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's the eighties. It was yeah. as, it, as well, it I knew, be. you know, that's all we knew. <clears throat> Really? Exactly. Exactly. So what was cool is that I lost the weight and it was like, wow, what a big difference. Like soccer was so much more fun. All of a sudden boys were like, what's up? You know, I'm like taking the bus to school. I'm in sixth grade. I'm like, Hey, like things are right. I was like, I'm everything's okay. Like, it's going to be okay. And the interesting thing about that, and this is the same thing that I know we both work on with ourselves and with women on a regular basis is I came back to the exact same home. Mm-hmm right? To the same dysfunctional parental relationship that was going on, to the same food relationship that was going on. Um, You know, at 10 years old, you don't really have a lot of, I didn't have any cooking skills, right? I wasn't going grocery shopping. Like I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So I came back to the exact same place and it wasn't that long until I started gaining all the weight back. And that was the, that was the first time that I had like lost weight and then gained it back. Devastating, awful. The worst so embarrassing. And I remember at one point my mom said that she, this is when I was still thin and she was she was overweight and she really thought that I would never have to deal with it again.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? She oh, was like I oh. thought that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought that too, right? She was like, like yeah. I'm healed. <laughs> yeah. She she was so happy for me, but she was so still twisted in her own self that the words that she said were. Um, you know, it was so embarrassing to be, you know, um, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it it was something like, it was embarrassing to be seen with you when we were both fat. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so I know that what she meant was that she was taking ownership of her part in my weight journey, right. And my dysfunction with food. And she was feeling really guilty about that as a mother, watching your daughter struggle at the depth that I was struggling And, you know, and she thought that the struggle was over and that it was just, you know, her, her issue or whatever. But then I went on to gain all my weight back. And so I kept that in my mind of like, my mom's embarrassed of me. And so if I ever gained weight, I, I felt embarrassed to be in the world, right? I was like, I just thought that everyone was embarrassed to be with me. I was embarrassed to be myself. And so that's a super uncomfortable place to be as well. And so now I'm a teenager, dad's gone, new guy's in, <laughs> right? Mom's doing whatever diet she's doing. And I found other substances that, you know, I drank and used the same way that I ate. More. How old were you when, that, when you started that? Um, 15. Me too.
0: I think that's why I'm so connected to you because our t- stories and timelines are so similar. It's kind of crazy (laughs) and like the stories you made up about yourself and the way that it manifested in your life it's very similar okay so around 15 that starts yeah Take, take us on that next journey chapter
1: yeah so um Part of, of my journey as well is being in and out of various 12 steps. I actually did the 12 step for food addiction, um, when I was 14 and lost the weight. And then I found boys and then I found the liquor and then I gained the weight back. And then I, you know, (laughs) it was just all kinds of different things, uh, were happening. And then I, uh, my mom was like, you need to go to rehab and, (laughs) It's like, God bless her. She really, she has tried and she has come a long way. And I really appreciate that about her. This is one thing I really want to touch on, especially for women, women who have mothers that are in this weird food addiction space or daughters that are in this weird food addiction space. It's a very challenging place to be at, 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 at whatever, whether you're the mother or the daughter, the whatever it is, the grandma, like it's. when i was growing up my mom you know in an effort to be a good mom did a lot of things for me and Mm -hmm. i became i came to expect certain things from her and also like if i got angry enough there was right like if i got angry enough at her she would do what i wanted her to do and so Mm -hmm. it was this like really toxic relationship um and When she started to like actually take care of herself was around, around that same time when she got help for her food addiction, I guess I was 14. So I was just on my, like, I did that for a little while and like lost some weight, but then I was like on my way out into like boys and alcohol. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) And she was just on her way in, like being in her forties now, where she was like, oh my God, thank God there's actually help for this. So Mm -hmm. she was getting into like the help for the food addiction. She started taking care of herself and it pissed me off. (laughs) <laughs> like, I didn't like it. I don't like her having boundaries. You know what I mean? Like saying no. Yeah. Um, you know, not eating with us, like being, you know, taking care of herself. <laughs> and that's a huge fear for a lot of my my ladies that I work with, is it's like, well, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to upset people. I don't want to not take care of them. And I'm like, Trust me. I know from, from that side, I remember being the angry one who was in their addiction and it's very uncomfortable. You would be around somebody that is not in their addiction and you are Yeah, right. Very uncomfortable. And it made me very angry. But I'll tell you, I've never been so grateful for anybody as I have been for my mother standing up and taking care of herself and modeling what it's like to do self-care, regardless of what anybody else says or does or how angry they get or what they want you to do or how I wanted to pull her down into my nightmare.
0: Yeah, my partner, my Jonathan, my husband taught me that too. And I, yeah, I have a, so much I could say on that, but I relate to that too. And being in relationship with someone who is willing to be that example, despite what people think, is it's very powerful. And I tell that to women that, like you said, they have the fear of being rejected and isolated and it is... And that's why it's so important to be a part and a part of a supportive community of other people who are doing it too, so that you don't feel so isolated. Right. So I could talk about that all day.
1: <laughs> Girl, a thousand percent. And it breaks my heart every time that somebody says, well, you know, I, ha- you know, my, yeah, It's like, well, my daughter is supportive of me or like my husband's supportive of me or, you know, I have a friend down the street and I'm like, ah, yeah, yeah. I get well, it, but they also love you so much that like, if that's not an, if that is an issue for them, it's very rare to like both be on the same page of healing together. It's so it's easy to bring each other down Yeah. or if they don't get food addiction, they can't help, but want to soothe you with ice cream because yes. it works. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, that's the the good and the bad of it, right? Is like, we're not crazy. We're not broken. We're not stupid. Like it works. Food does work to like soothe and calm. It's not the only thing that works. And that's where we come in as, you know, practitioners and helpers and healers and people who are on the journey to like, let each other know it's not the only thing that works. You know, we do have choices and that's really something I didn't know then.
0: It is very effective, right? (laughs) Like it, just like so many other things that aren't good for us are effective. And it's, I was having this conversation with a client of mine the other day, you know, I was giving her suggestions on things that she could do to support herself in what she's going through. And she said, you know, why don't I think to do that? Or why, why don't I prioritize that? And I said, because it's not going to give you instant results. Like it, you're not going to have an instant um, result, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And we are so programmed to need, I mean, we're biologically designed to want the quickest, fastest, easiest way to feel good, right? And that's why food is so powerful and it's just becoming quicker and easier and more accessible. So uh, it's such a complex addiction. And I truly believe it's one of, it's the most complex addiction because I have people telling me, they're like, I overcame meth addiction and crack cocaine and I did all this and I still can't get off of food. And that's just like, and I love when people argue with me that food addiction isn't real. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad for you that you haven't experienced what it's
1: like. (laughs) So I love, yes, it is, it is an interesting thing for sure, but I actually agree with them because I'd love to get into like weird little semantic oh. conversations with people. Yeah. And I'm like, you're right. It's not food. Oh yeah. This crap you're eating is not food. So you're right. There is not yes. food addiction, but I don't I've know what you too. want to call whatever <laughs> it is that you're feeding us. Uh, yes exactly
0: exactly yeah,
1: yeah. i mean I love- really none of us have a problem with broccoli right, right? No. I, I i have you know maybe overeaten a uh, kabocha squash which is one of my favorite but y- y- it really owns only a bite or two and all the fiber is going to let your body know we're cool <laughs> oh my gosh
0: well and that's see isn't that interesting because then i think i don't have a problem overeating real food and then I, I go through phases where, where I'm like, well, if all I can have is real food, then I just don't want to eat anything. Have you ever <laughs> had that
1: experience? Yeah, totally. You get bored with it. Like you just <laughs> yeah. aren't like cooking it right or seasoning it right. Or maybe like you're getting a little too t- tired over here. Or sometimes it actually is like other little sneaky things that like, I think are, um okay, right? Kind of like on borderline. And then I can like no, I, I don't notice because I choose not to notice sometimes that it's kind of escalating a little bit. Like I'll give you an example, like um cream in my coffee, right? Mm. Or even just coffee in general. Right. So like there's like a was like, well, you know, it's a, it's organic. It's like the mushroom <laughs> tea, you know, whatever. Or it's like, well, it's uh, you know, um al- fresh almond milk, you know, whatever. There's like these little nuance things where I can like make excuses. And then like those sort of things start to get like a little more, a little more, a little more. And then I'm a little sloppier about like reading the ingredients. And then all of a sudden now I mean something that my body's reacting to. And then life happens because it's going to happen. Mom says something weird that I don't like, you know, something goes not well at the job, like, you know what I mean? Something little bit. And I get that little bit of emotional thing, but I'm already kind of a little bit off physically because of... These like little things here and there that I'm doing with my food. And then yeah, then it's like, screw it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. I don't want to. I'm tired. I don't want to fucking prep. I don't want I don't want to chop any more vegetables.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Oh yes.
0: good. Yeah. And I had that experience more so back before I knew that I was experiencing food addiction. And it was more of the diet um, binge cycle or restrict binge cycle that I was in. Were you in that cycle as well?
1: Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, every now and then my brain pops in with like, you know, you could do a cleanse and drop a couple pounds real quick. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And it's not that cleanses are bad. I'm not saying that cleanses are bad. I'm just saying for that particular reason i know that that doesn't work for me spiritually mentally or physically if the reason why i'm doing something is to regain control because i'm feeling out of control right and or lose weight if those are the reasons that i'm going at it for and and it's like you can tell people that all day long but you got to got to come to it your your own your own awareness, right. Right. Of like what your patterns are. And that's what I noticed the pattern for me was, was to kind of like have all of these little exceptions, not really take responsibility for it, not really address my emotions and my feelings that are coming up. Cause it is almost always when I am in that like mode where I'm like, Oh, I just need a little bit more like a snacking, or I'm starting to do stuff that like, I know just is really focused on food. And in, in that food addiction space, there's almost always a sense of, some, some lack going on where like, I'm not feeling like I am enough in some area and that not enoughness, right. I've left myself and I'm searching for that little piece to be filled from the outside. And so I actually really appreciate food addiction. I know this is crazy, but like, it is so immediate. Like if you have any desire to be on a, on a spiritual journey, like food addiction will take you there (laughs) I mean, you don't get more than a couple of hours of grace before like you got to engage with the thing again. Mm-hmm. Right. And it is so on point every single day, every single meal, like where I am at spiritually.
0: Wow. You know, yeah.
1: It's intense.
0: Hey y'all, I'm interrupting just real quick because I want to invite you to the brand new membership community. Okay, it's not really brand new, but it's finally grown to a place where I'm ready to freaking scream it from the rooftops. Y'all, I know this journey can be so isolating and overwhelming, so my intention and my promise for this community is to load it with educational content and a lot of options for accountability and support. So the brand new community is called The Wellness Collective. We are hosting it on an app called Patreon. Not everyone's familiar with Patreon, but it's similar to Facebook with a focus on private membership communities, and it comes without all of the distractions that we get from all of the other social media platforms. So once you join the community, which you can join today for seven days free, you will get instant access to so much of the content, including weekly educational content, Content from me. I will do that in the form of blog posts and video lessons. You'll also get access to bi weekly guest presenters, along with bi weekly group coaching with me, and access to all of the past recordings. So the library of education is big already and it continues to grow every single week. And you also get chat support with me and more. So it's super easy to join. I'll put the link in the show notes of this podcast. And again, you can join today for seven days free. I can't wait to see you inside. Now, back to the episode. So I just want to hear more about, you know, what happened next in that journey of your life.
1: Yeah. So kind of flash forward, because there was certainly lots of ups and downs. I don't think that I ever really gave up the desire to feel okay. And so, I mean, I would do anything and everything to feel okay in this body. I never really quite felt okay, but um, I would try. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm going through my, my, my teen years and the ups and downs and my early twenties, I was, let's see, in my mid twenties, I was, I had been sober for a while now, right? I had kind of like cleaned that part up. I'd traveled the world. I'd went back to school, like, yeah, I don't know, like all, all, all the things that like in your twenties in your when you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I totally get that overindulging in in alcohol and such, like doesn't really give me the life, the life that I'm looking for. No. <clears throat> and so I cleaned all of that up. And I, there was always, it felt like there was always still like this, this missing piece. And so then when I learned about food addiction, cause I really didn't want to do anything that my mom did. I was still pretty pissed off at her, like intensely pissed off at her. And this has been like many years now, okay. but she was doing a food addiction program. And I was like, no, 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 hard. No, never. I'm never doing that. It's disgusting. No, I've shamed her. Like, look at all you. no bad wrong. Right. Mm. <laughs> Yeah. As we do. And I'll tell you through the years, the people have been the most intense about telling me like why what I do would never work for them are the exact same people who have either been through my program, asked me for help or told me that I was right. Uh-huh. Right. Like, it's like, it's, of course it is right. Like anything that we're like, we're pushing against, like, that is such the like most perfect mirror of like what we need to look at. And so Absolutely, I just, yeah. <laughs> it cracks yeah. me up. So of course I was like, no, and like running right towards it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I finally did it. I did this particular program and they were like, and I did it hundred percent for two years. It was like, it was very, very, uh, for lack of a better phrase, strict, right? It was like very, this, this, this timing, precise, everything like this. And I lost all of all of my weight plus, right? I was 132 pounds. Um, but it wasn't enough. Mm-hmm. I really believed in my core that if I could just get rid of the weight and stay there, that like all of my discomfort, my um, my, I don't know if shyness is the right thing, but just like feeling yeah. not good enough, embarrassed, right? Of myself and to be around people, the weird relationships with men would clear up. Like I really truly believed that if I just lost the weight. And so when I was 132 pounds and I'm about five, eight, just a sliver under five, eight. And so being 132 pounds, I was very thin, right? Mm -hmm. I had lost my period. I was cold all the time. I was hungry all the time. Like, but I didn't care because I wanted to be thin, but it wasn't enough. And I was like, oh, well it must be, that I need to be 128, that must be what it is. Because I was convinced my whole life, I was convinced, well, since I was eight, right? Convinced that if I just wasn't fat, I would be lovable and I would be okay. And it was very upsetting that that didn't happen. And I was so angry about it, like so angry. I was angry at my mom for like screwing me up in this way. angry for like everything, angry at everybody. And so two years I did this and I was at exactly 132 and I could not get under that. And then, um, I did, a I did this cleanse this, I did this fast thing for like three days. Cause I had like some digestive issues. I mean, of course I did. <laughs> I was angry. Right. Like, yeah. Of course I was freaking constipated and uncomfortable. <clears throat> and so I did this like, uh, bone broth thing, whatever for three days. And I lost that few pounds and I was in the one twenties, I went back to the exact, precise, exactly what I was eating for the last two years and my body gained 10 pounds. I'm telling you, I did not eat one freaking bite more than I was supposed to. And in that six months, I went up to 142 and I was devastated. Like there was nothing more that I could do. Right. And like, on some level i think i knew that and we hear this right it's like well if you starve your body eventually your 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 um uh what is it called your um metabolism is going to go down and you're going to end up gaining weight even if you're eating less All right and i i i i did that and i was so upset so what ended up happening is that i thought that drinking a beer would be a good idea because kind of like you said it was like i can't live like this i don't want to live one more day being this upset and angry just to be thin and i'm not even i'm not even thin anymore and there's nothing more that i can do about it like i can't starve myself more and so i went back down that train i went back down that train again and lost myself again Uh, And this time I got pregnant with my son in this adventure. And so I came back, I came back, I came back here back to, I mean, I was, I was in some other town and I came back here and I'm like, okay, like now that I'm going to have a child, this changes things. It's not just about me anymore. And how old were you when you found out your were pregnant? 29. Okay. And so on this journey, it was really interesting because my son's father's father. So at that time, when I first was meeting them, I was getting my master's degree or I was going, I was doing some back classes to get my master's degree in um, art therapy. Mm-hmm love therapy, psychology, the mind, why people do what they do. Fascinating. Hmm. Love art. Not a very great artist, but I love putting, you know, paint on canvas or molding things or like doing things with my hands, color. Like it's always been very therapeutic to me. So I'm like, cool. I'm going to bring those two things together. I'm going to do art therapy. Well, when I met my son's father, he said, oh, so you're interested in the mind and helping people. I said, yes. He said, huh let me show you something that actually works. And he introduced me to hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. My son's grandfather is a hypnotherapist and has been for, oh my God. I mean, I guess it's got to be like 30 years now. And he let me sit in on a couple of sessions. He told me where to work. He told me what books to read. He just absolutely open my mind to this the power of words and the power of our imagination and the power of our thinking and it started to click into place how and why I ended up being the person that I am, and how I have taken, just like you said, those stories, right? Like I took situations and incidences and in other people's dramas and traumas, and I took them and I made them my own. Right. I I, I personalized them, I internalized them, I took my mom's crap and my dad's crap and all, all this stuff, and I made it about me and I created this. This, 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 this world, this map of reality of Rose's reality of like, this is how it is. This is my place in this world, right? This is my value. This is my worth. This is what I do. This is what I don't do. This is what I need from you. This is how it is. And I created this whole map and I'm like, oh my God, it makes sense. And even beyond that, because I created it, I can change it. Hallelujah. And- <laughs> please amen (laughs) seriously and it's a big deal though it's a subtle difference that all of us have the opportunity to engage with when if you don't have, just like you're talking about, the support and the skills and the language, I mean, that's why the terrible twos are the terrible twos. It's because you know that you should be speaking, but you don't yet have the words to express what it is that you are thinking and feeling and you have tantrums. Well, yeah. it doesn't change, right? If you don't have the words to understand what's going on with your own mind and your own body, the words to express what is happening, the empowerment to know that you can actually make a difference in your own life you're going to have a tantrum right is this the internal and the external worlds are not matching like you're not feeling like you have um i don't know what the word i want to say autonomy that's not the right word but like ability to to have an an effect on your own experience in a positive way and so you just kind of it kind of ends up going on default and it's other people's stuff that you just you know drag with you for your whole life um, so this was really a turning point for me. It was really cool. I mean, things didn't end up working out with my son's father um, and, you know, we left, we left there. But one of the things that his, his father had said to me, which was so beautiful um, is he had given me a suggestion on, on where to work. He said, you know, when you're practicing and learning a skill like hypnotherapy, starting your own business right off the bat, where you're like trying to figure out how to keep the lights on and do you hire someone and, and the marketing and all that. So he's like, that's really overwhelming just hone your skill, just, just get in there, start it, practice it, do these things. And so I suggest that you work for this, this company called positive changes. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that was in a different state that I lived. And so when I got pregnant with my son a year later, I had taken, you know, different classes and read books and stuff like that. And I was practicing, but I I didn't really know what I was doing. This is like one of those amazing, beautiful, you know, when things come together, when you finally just like let go and find your way. I moved back to California back to Walnut Creek and I'm pregnant with my son. I don't know what I'm doing or where I'm going. I didn't even know where to live. There was like this place like right down the street from from my mom's house like when you get off the freeway that was doing a, a first month free like for rent, right? And I was like, well that, you know, I guess I got 30 days to figure it out. <laughs> so I worked there and then I did like you know part-time at some whatever office and um one of my friends who was staying with me was looking on Craigslist and she's like oh my god like there's a positive changes that just opened up in Pleasanton which is 20 minutes away like literally the month before I'm like hallelujah so I go I apply I'm so excited I'm like this is obviously it I have to work here this is my jam I'm I'm gonna gonna be a hypnotherapist and I went to an interview, and the lady emailed me back and said, Thank you very much. But we've already hired somebody like good luck in your life. And I was, I was devastated. Right. And this is the power of other people who have been where you have been that can share experience, strength, and hope with you. This girl that I was living with or staying with me for whatever a couple of weeks, she looks at me, she's like, Rose if you really want this job, respond back to her and tell her how amazing her company is, how you really want to work there. And you'll take any job that is available. (laughs) I was like, Oh, I didn't even know that was an option. Right. And so, and this was June, this was June of two 20, uh, 2009. Yeah. 2009. And so I responded back and I said, just that. And she responded back with, well, I mean, we have front desk available. It's like ten dollars an hour, part time. <laughs> I'm like pregnant with my son. I'm like, I will take it. Like, I I will take it. Long story short, three months later, you know, of course, I they knew that I wanted to be a hypnotherapist, and I had been practicing on the side. And the girl who, um, was the hypnotherapist was sick or something like that. Somebody walked in and they wanted to do their first session right then. And so she turned to me and it was, it was the day it was, was it actually my 30th birthday? Um, I think it was something. I was pregnant with James. I was like, okay. And I walked in and I've been doing it ever since. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, this is like the really cool thing about hypnosis is that um, there's a couple things to really understand about hypnosis that I came to understand because it does seem weird, right? It's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like wave a clock and like, I'm going to quack like a duck and I'm just, <laughs> not, I'm not going to know who I am. And like, all of a sudden be a different person. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about that. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of um, stigma, right? Yeah. 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 And it's still like, you watch cartoons and it's like, you know, they're being hypnotized and all of a sudden their eyes go like this and there's the, <laughs> yeah. Or that it's <laughs> like
0: evil or, you know, of, of evil descent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Totally. Which is so funny to me because, oh, it just, it, you know, the media is so funny, you know, and anything that really empowers somebody, there is, there is a backlash to that, right? Like there's a lot of people who don't want like the average, you know, Joe Schmo walking down the street to feel empowered, right. to feel powerful and excited about life and have autonomy and not just be a humdrum, you know, cheaple, you know, walking down the street, eating what you're going to give me and saying what you want me to say and doing what you want me to do. Like it is really powerful to own your own presence. And that's to me, that's what hypnotherapy is really about. Well, and and
0: what better way to connect with your creator? And that's Mm -hmm. what I find very interesting. It's like, there's claims that it's that's not what it is but i have never felt more connected to god than i have when i have practiced hypnotherapy and meditation and those types of things um and i it's the organized religion that has twisted things in my opinion and made it seem that way because they don't want us to be powerful which is what i hear you saying like if we knew what we were capable of when we tapped into those things, or if we did have that capability, I mean, so many things would be different. Um, Have you ever read the book Outwitting the Devil? Yeah. Okay. That's what I think of it. every time where it's yeah. like, also conversations with God. Have you read that one?
1: Mm-hmm. I
0: recommend both of these books to everyone. But
1: yeah. Yes. Anyways. Yes, I agree. Those are those are all on my list as well. Um yeah, you know, and it actually has been such a beautiful 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 experience. And when I ask people I say, "Well, do you think that your life would be better or worse if you sat down and listened to some nice gentle music and had somebody say nice things to you for 20 minutes a day?"
0: Yeah.
1: Right? You think your life would be better or worse? Like what if you were a little kid and you were to sit and just kind of daydream and imagine and learn and, and, you know, connect with yourself. And again, have someone say positive things to you. Like, I don't think that hypnosis is the make it or break it. Like you have to do it, or you're going to be missing out in something in life. Right. It's just a tool right as all of them are to reconnect with self to reconnect with this mind body spirit i mean it is it is complicated we're a lot of things right? we're not just the mind thinking and we're not just the body walking around doing stuff and we're not just a spirit that is like divinely inspired to love life right like if we were just one of those things It would be very different, but it's not like we're all of these things together and sometimes they are on the same page and working very nicely. And sometimes they're kind of arguing a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And so it actually makes it really, really nice and gentle. So the way that I was explaining because this is actually one of the things that came up and I was concerned too, like being like learning how to be a hypnotherapist. I'm like, it felt like a big responsibility. Like, oh my God, am I like... What if something happens? What if we go too deep? What if the person, you know, remembers a you know past thing, you know, and like I mean, I had these concerns as well. Like I don't want that pressure. And what was really interesting, the way that Dr. Patrick Porter, which is the one who trained me, and um, I highly recommend that you go search him up too. he's got this cool new business called Mind, Mind Tap. And so he's using technology along with hypnosis, guided meditation, visualization, um, NLP, and Silva mind control. Mm-hmm. Um, that one sounds weird. It's like a weird name, but I don't know if you are familiar with Silva. Um, it's I yeah. I mean, basically it's just meditation. It's like how not do- blink an eye when you say that, but I know other people would. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, well, I know I did for what I was like Silva mind control. I'm like, I could use some mind
0: control. Let me have some of that.
1: that's so funny at one point because my mom totally oh I tried hypnosis it doesn't work you know like that's what she told me she totally poo-pooed that job for like ever and ever and ever by the way she has all of the stuff and listens every day now so anyway (laughs) she she, it was like it was like it was such a full circle right like how many years I poo-pooed her for what she was doing and like judged her and then it like went full circle and she judged me and now we both do a little bit of what each other has been doing the whole time
0: (laughs) righteousness is such such an interesting thing right like I've been coming to this recently of of, I went through a phase where I believed that the way that I thought things were was what they were period and everyone needed to do it my way and now I'm realizing (laughs) there's so many different ways to go about achieving the same goal so we all have our own way of going about it and there's value in all the ways (laughs)
1: exactly and that is what dr patrick porter told me he said rose don't worry about getting anyone into hypnosis right what we're doing here is helping people get out of the hypnosis they have placed themselves into Mm -hmm. when we are feeling any sort of lack right? Whether it's lack of abundance, lack of money, lack of love, lack of ability, of possibility, of opportunity, of control. Like When we are in that lack space, we are not actually connected to truth. We're not actually connected to the divine and our true self. Because when we're in that space, and we've all had those moments Sometimes they're fleeting, right? It's like, yeah, 15 years ago, I remember I had a moment of peace, right? But it's kind of like the same, like when we're like falling in love, right? Yeah. It's like all of a sudden, like none of all the stuff that we thought matters, matters. And we're like, oh, I get it. Or like when our child like looks at us for the first time and smiles and giggles, right? Like when we see an an incredible sunset that just our, just our mind just blinks out to all the dramas and traumas and the wars and all this stuff of life and like what we need. And all of a sudden, just for a moment, we're like in the bliss of reality. So we all have these, this ability to access that, that place. And so Hypnosis is really about just practicing that, right? Like, just like you said, you're like, one of my clients is like, oh, why do I keep forgetting? Right? It's like, <laughs> well, because we just have practice thoughts. We have practice actions and practice thoughts that are like in that direction. And so as we begin to build our resiliency and our capability and our understanding and our knowledge and our our um, our trust in ourselves that we can and will be able to get through big things. And we only do that by actually doing them. Yeah. <laughs>
0: when you said, I would say that you had your awakening when you were 29 and started experiencing all of that stuff that your son's grandpa introduced to you. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I had a similar experience. Mind. Two, I started being introduced to, oh my God, I can change the way that I think. And I can go back to my childhood and create a different story about that one event. And then all of a sudden it's like, I had my power back, right? And that's why I always talk about taking your power back and why the podcast is called Powerful AF and all of Mm -hmm. that, because I'm committed to having everyone understand that we are powerful and the moment that we stop giving our power away to other people and events and circumstances and past experiences, we become unstoppable, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there that I also had that same experience. And, and that's what I want other people to understand, that when you have that language and when you have that knowledge... That is truly, in my opinion, how you recover from any addiction is understanding that you aren't a victim to anything or anyone and that we have full power over the life that we experience. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I, I, I feel a little bit inspired just to like add to that if yeah. you don't mind. Yeah. that like, Before I thought that the power was like power over myself and power over other people and power, you know what I mean? Like where it was a forceful type of power. And I've actually learned that it is quite different, um, that the power is actually tapping into a power that is always flowing to us and through us and for us, Um, And that my, you know, fear and insecurities and all of that stuff just kind of clamped it down. And so as I release these things, it's not like I'm having to get power from anywhere else. It's like, oh, it's just it's like that little spark that we know has always been there. And we get to see every now and then in the sunset and when our kids little smile and like those moments. And it's just, it's like that small, still voice of wisdom. It just gets a little bit louder, right? A little bit stronger. I trust it a little bit more. I used to hear it and go, but why? And want to have like a spreadsheet of like why I shouldn't go in that direction. And I was like, so curious. I was like, well, I'm going to do it just to find out. And I would go and it would be bad. And I'd be like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have listened to myself, you know, back <sighs> then. And so we all have this, right? Like you, you, we, we do everyone listening right now, you have access to your next right step. Hmm. You are always being inspired towards what that is. And I think this actually wraps back around to you kind of asked a little bit about like what I actually do with my food and kind of what my relationship with food is right now. And, um, I, there is, there's a vision that I have of, of it being like super easy and simple and like never having to actually think about it. And then there's a reality of, I don't actually feel very good and very safe myself at this point when I just leave it up to whatever happens, happens. I don't like that. And so really actually like owning that is like, oh, there's nothing wrong with, me. I'm like, I am where I'm at, <laughs> right? You can only be where you're at. And I know for me that, you know, it's funny too, because I was on my coaching call with my ladies and I had this new like muffin thing that I make where I put like all my veggies in this thing with the egg and like put it in this little muffin tin and I bake it so that I can bring it with me. Cause like yesterday was a super busy day. And I was like, I'm bringing my lunch with me. so I don't have to worry about it because I know me, if sure. I'm out in the world doing stuff and I get hungry and busy, I am going somewhere. Right. <laughs> which is not terrible. It's fine to go somewhere, but like when you're going somewhere like on every day and like, it doesn't feel great. Right? So, anyway, right. so I planned this, but I forgot to add it to my cookbook. Cause I have a cookbook in my, in my group. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Cause they had asked for it. I'm like, let me write it down. Boom, boom, boom. Now the odds of me remembering to add this to my cookbook have just exponentially raised, right? Because you wrote it down. Because I wrote it down, right? Yes, yeah. In it, in an area where I can see it. Yeah, it's literally right here next to my desk. Now, if I did not write it down, it would have. I mean, this has been at least two weeks. The days would just keep going by. I would remember it right the wrong time. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Whatever. Yes. 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 And then it'd be the middle of the night. I'm like, fuck it. I'm not getting up right now. You know, (laughs) I'll do it at this time. Whatever. Whatever. That would just keep going. But now that it's literally written down and it's right next to me at my workstation. I I have no doubt that it will get done today. So I honestly feel the same way about my food. I have gone back and forth because that very strict program that I did—they had us, you know, writing down very you know specific things—and. I, I know that that worked for me on some level. So I'm like, how can I incorporate that? And then the more that I began to understand about the brain and the mind and about journaling and about writing things down, things down, and that that's actually a way to connect your subconscious mind with your conscious mind in this reality. I was like, oh, okay. I don't need to blame. I don't need to shame myself or like think that there's something wrong with me if I need to write my food down it feels good to me. It gives me that peace of mind and that freedom of like, I've taken care of myself. I have at least thought about my food for this next 24 hours. I can't do a whole week or a month. I don't know how people can do that, but Mm -hmm. for me, it's just for today. (laughs) Right. Where it's like, that is such a huge part of my self-care is actually putting pen to paper and being like, you know what? Okay. So I'm going to have, you know, yogurt and bananas and, you know, nuts and my sugar-free granola. Okay, cool. uh, Breakfast for lunch. I'm gonna have this, this for dinner. Oh, we're going out. Okay, cool. Out. Right. And like just having that plan and having it written down, it does a world of wonder to my need for self-care, my memory of like my commitment to myself today. And then also not having a million options. Yeah. I don't do well with options, right? If you tell me like, go to the grocery store and get peanut butter, I'm going to stand there because there's too many options. Right? It's like, well, I don't know. Does she want chunky? Does she want, you know, smooth? Does she want like salt or no salt? Does she want, you know, with the it just it's too many options? So for me, having less options, but more possibility has really worked for me. So, like for today, these are my options. And then I don't have to think, I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to second guess about it. I have too many choices to be made. This is actually one of my um, health coaches talks about the willpower gap. And if you kind of like study the brain and know the brain at all, like, you know, that like our conscious mind can only handle so many things at once. Like, yes, women can multitask, but there is a limit, right? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you can only process like five to seven bits of information at any one time. Right. And our willpower gets depleted. The more decisions that we have to make, that's one of the reasons why, like, as the day goes by. It's like, we typically all have like a a window where like, we're done. We don't care. It's right. usually not between seven and eight in the morning that you don't care about what you're going to eat for the day. Right? right. It's it's usually sometime in the afternoon or the evening when like you're tapped out. And so the more decisions that we have to make throughout the day, the less willpower we're going to have, unless we do something to reboot ourselves go for a walk, go to a coaching call, listen to a hypnosis session. I mean, there's lots of ways to like reboot ourselves, Mm -hmm. but while we're in that process of like figuring out what all of those little things are that we need, I have found it incredibly soothing and helpful to at least have my meals planned.
0: Yeah.
1: Wow.
0: I love the way that you described that. And I think our willpower gap is even more narrow with all of the distractions from, you know, social media and just constant consumption of information. <laughs> um, and I tell people that all the time, like you cannot expect yourself to make conscious decisions if you are so depleted in all of these other areas. Like our, our ability to make conscious smart for lack of a better word decisions goes way down when we have way too much on our mind and we're chronically stressed and we're not sleeping and we're all of these things like you are not going to be able to decipher you know and have that ability to make the best choice so i
1: agree with Girl, that completely. and then add hunger to it hell no (laughs) hell no you're you're gonna try to make me wait until I'm hungry to like decide on like a healthy meal that I'm gonna eat it's no that has never worked for me never I don't know god bless you people
0: and this is why I'm so passionate about food addiction because Mm. the way that we approach it gets to be completely different than the way that we approach weight loss alone or like um like if your only intention is to lose weight yeah calories in calories out exercise more than you eat whatever but if you want long term healing your relationship with food you get to eat enough you get to like it's so much deeper and it's and it's a totally different approach. So that's why I am so passionate about the subject of food addiction, because it's like the approach to fixing it, which is not the right word, but improving your relationship with food is, it's not a diet. And this is why we've tried all the diets there are, and they just don't work. <laughs> so we get to do a different approach and it's, and it's a much deeper spiritual thing and planning your food and having an intention for that gets to happen simultaneously I would say (sighs) okay so I love that and I do you have specific I know you do like standards when it comes to food so say one day you don't have a plan is there always is there something where it's like no matter what I don't do this with food or I don't eat this food or does that make sense
1: yeah yeah absolutely I I love this question because I think certainly in the beginning um meaning like so it was January 5th of 2000 uh where am I 2019 <clears throat> that I was like I realized that I needed to do the writing the food down and get help right? That like just doing the hypnosis for myself and for other people, even though it like, it did bring me to one level. It was absolutely beautiful, wonderful. I stopped, you know, shaming and blaming myself. I didn't have that like, um, you know, crazy craving for candy and sugar anymore. Like there were so many things that were like, Monumental, life changing for me. I didn't, uh, you know, struggle with like the fifty pounds anymore. It was like more manageable. So there's so many things, but there was still like, there was still like this. Um, I don't know, like like an uneasiness, um, a a binging without, um, without a support group to help me manage those emotions, right? Like, so I I knew that I needed some help, and so. It was January 5th of 2019 that I'm like, okay, I'm going to bring these things together, which is really cool because like the group that I joined is, you know, they were more about like, you know, the the food aspect and the writing the down and like getting your nutrition and that kind of stuff. And so it was cool that I got to like actually bring hypnosis to them. Mm-hmm. Right. And so like that was a really beautiful thing where I'm like, okay, like there, there's like a a melding of these worlds. So where I got more intentional with my food was right around that time. So in the beginning, it was really helpful to be as simple and clean as possible because there's a healing of the brain that happens when we go from the toxic mm, sludge, (laughs) if you want to say. And sometimes you don't even know it, right? Like, I didn't even know. You know, was like, oh, well, I'm gluten-free, you know? Like, whatever. We go on all these, like, different diets and we have, you know, I had, like, all, you know, cleanses and, like, all these things that I did. But then I would, like, you know, binge on these sorts of things and, you know, over here and it was just kind of, like, chaotic. And um, so in the beginning, I definitely found it really helpful to be as like narrow as possible and the way that my health coach described it and I really love this is like an hourglass right like first like you're up here and it's crazy and then it, things and it seems like kind of restrictive and you don't really like it but then you kind of settle into it and you're like okay it's actually fine I'm actually having more energy I actually feel better I actually don't have cravings anymore I actually feel like myself and then it's like the it's like the hourglass right and it kind of comes back and the world kind of opens up a little bit more and yeah. i began to really see and feel and experience like where are my little boundaries and you know of course I kind of like to expand upon them every now and then right it's like well is this okay for me you know (laughs) is this okay for me and like sometimes I find that it's fine and other times it's like slow your roll girlfriend bring it back in
0: (laughs) well that's the joys of being a hormonal creature too which I think is another game changer understanding our hormones and our cycle and we truly are like four different people every 28 to 30 days and our ability to do certain things and control ourselves changes. So I love, I love that analogy. And that's why I say, I think strict abstinence is a very powerful tool for a certain amount of time to heal the brain and the dopamine centers. And it's a reset not for the sake of losing weight, but to reset your brain and your gut microbiome. So then you, like you said, you have more energy and you have less cravings and you have more clarity and you aren't fatigued and you're able to make decisions from a clear place rather than, I mean, and this is another reason why it's so complex because we have our gut health and we have our hormones and we have all these things to consider. The power of Mm -hmm. removing all of that stuff for a certain amount of time supports us. And, you know, like you said, getting to that, the wider possibilities and creating our own standards, I suppose, for what we eat and what we don't eat and
1: when and how much and all of that. Yes. I will tell you that, you know, Jen, I do have some like basics of like, I know that I feel the absolute best when I am eating real food. (laughs) So Fresh, alive, and vibrant, typically one ingredient. I mean, I cook, so I put things together, you know, and I season things properly. But when I'm eating real food, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? Like in proper portions for my body, which is like, you know, a serving or two of whatever it is, whether it's, you know, meat, uh, you know, the, the protein, the veggie, the fruit, the fat, like whatever that is, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And then that way, it actually makes it really easy with that like base foundation, because then I can go to any country.
0: Right. because
1: right? It's like, oh, I'm having protein veggie fruit fat, like, and you can go to a restaurant right any like, restaurant. yes. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's not the most ideal because you're not using the highest quality ingredients, But you can do
1: it, <laughs> yes, exactly. and i I had to have that like base understanding because if I start to like have to, you know, count grams and being, you know, I mean, you can do that at home, but you know, when you're going out, just like, you got to keep it simple, right? Like, give me some meat, salad, veggie, meat. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Simple. It is.
0: And I love that you, we have a very similar idea of that and that keeping it simple is very important without feeling deprived and restricted. Right. So You should be able, I think we should be able to go out to a restaurant and enjoy ourselves and still stay true to our self care and what we're committed to in regard to our health. And it's, I don't know, there's so much I could say on that, but just nourishing our bodies properly. It's like, it's that simple. Just eat every day, three meals a day, eat enough so that you feel good and satiated, and you'll pretty much do good. You'll, you'll be okay. And the support piece is the key, in my opinion, staying plugged into a support system or a community so that you stay on track because life in the world and society, you can get caught up in that drift and just, you know, end up out of alignment with who you truly are and what you're truly committed to and that's something else that came up for me when you talked about writing things down is just having that clarity. Mm. Um it creates clarity and when we're clear on what we're committed to for ourselves and our health and we're clear that we are worthy of having health and wellness we make that des- we make decisions that are in alignment with that vision and that commitment to ourselves. So I love that you talk about it in the way of it really is simple. Mm-hmm. Once we clear out all the gunk and the limiting beliefs and we we shift those stories about ourselves and we're able to feel confident that taking care of ourselves is the most important thing. Mm. So I could talk to you about this all day.
1: I <laughs> know. I know. But tell it's me what it's, it's,
0: it's like to work with you and your... In your program,
1: yeah. Well, so I have a couple, a couple different options, but typically, um, the late my ladies come in, and I have a twelve-week program, and it kind of guides the ladies. But so we have, um, we do meet uh, like on Zoom, so everything is online. Mm-hmm. We meet on Zoom once a week. Um, I also have because. Just like you said, I mean, it's simple and straightforward. And so, and I know that people are busy, right? Like I used to do like everything live, which is totally awesome. And then some people would miss it. And then I'm like, okay, I need to record some stuff. So like I have some things recorded and each week we go through a one step at a time. Like the first week is just getting started. Right. And I remember it was so funny, like just getting started, like you you know, Hey, get these things, figure out the hypnosis, like listen to it. Like, you know, figure out where the, where the group is, set the time for yourself. Like, right. Like, just take it one step at a time. I don't need to do all the things all at once. And of course we all want to do all the things all at once, because once we commit to something like this, we want that, we want the action and we want the results now, right? right? Like we usually wait until we're like, we've crumbled to the ground and we're like, okay, now I'm willing. (laughs) I'm going to be a different person tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Right. (laughs) I tell people that all the time, stop thinking you're going to be a different person tomorrow. Like that's the first step.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. And we all, we all do that. We all want to do that. So I remember one time, like this, um, one of my clients, she came to me, I was like the, the first, you know, meeting of that week. And she was like, okay, so like, what do you do about, you know, the headaches? I'm like, why do you have a headache? <laughs> you know? She was like, well, you know, I, I cut out all the things I'm not eating. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, backtrack because we're not quite there yet. So the way that I do it in my program and, and There's pros and cons to everything. The way that I personally have set it up is that the first week is just getting started. Listen to the session. Get into the groove of of that practice of setting time aside for yourself to just be you and to know that you are on a path and doing a journey. And yeah. so there's a hypnosis session. There's a couple of I explain hypnosis. I explain my thoughts on exercise to like chill out on it for a minute. Um, so I, you know, there's like a couple little like you know, five minute videos, and there's the hypnosis session. So it's like, okay, just chill. Mm-hmm. And then we meet for the week. And then the second week we talk about breakfast. What does that mean? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you actually do? What are some recipes? What are some ideas? What are some things that have worked for other people? Right. Like, how do you actually put a healthy breakfast together? Because if you just assume that when you say eat healthy, people will understand. That is not true. No. The idea of like what it means to be healthy, like I can't tell you how many clients have been like, well, I had an egg mcmuffin this morning and yeah, or I had like one egg and one slice of
0: bacon, and I'm like you're chronically malnourished. And then it makes me sad that the education is just there's none on what it is to be healthy right because I think we have this idea that being healthy is eating as little as possible (laughs) or
1: yeah like egg and bacon like really a one food group
0: or just like literally one egg (laughs) and I'm like oh my god
1: (laughs) And they're so proud of themselves or a protein bar
0: yeah
1: or a shake you know what I mean? Or like I had a glass of juice. So it's like, I mean, I get it. Right. It's like, what do we know? And quite honestly, like we're agreeing on this point. We probably actually have different ideas of like what a healthy breakfast actually means. So it is, you know what I mean? Like there is some delicateness. I mean, I, I, one of the things that I did when I was working at the hypnosis center is I was helping people and it was amazing, but like I knew that there was another layer, right? Like beyond just the mindset stuff. I'm like, well, maybe we actually do need to address the body. So I went and got a master's degree in health education, specializing in nutrition, specifically because I had so many clients coming in with diabetes. I mean, yes, the hypnosis helps, obviously drinking more water, relaxing because stress is a huge factor in dysregulated body and hormones and, and diabetes. But like, I didn't actually know what to say of like the suggestions to give of like what to actually have for breakfast. You know, they'd come in and they'd tell me what they were eating. And I was like, I don't actually know. So I'm going to go learn this. And so what I actually learned is there actually isn't a right answer. Oh my <laughs> God. Right. Well, it's yes, was an individual
0: too, right? Hormonal yeah. and like, there is not one way. And this is why people come to me and they're like, okay, what's your program? And they think it's a food program. And I'm like, I need to know your whole life story before I tell you what to eat every day. And like, you know, qualities
1: and when, and you know,
0: but okay, well, what is a healthy breakfast to you though? What, What have you landed on?
1: Yeah. So the way that I break it down and, um, you know, the reason why I break it down like this is because, it, it does make logical sense and it's a great starting point,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Like, I don't know if I would end here unless unless it's working then keep doing it, right? And then if it's not, let's talk about it. But a great starting point, especially if we're talking about real food and we're talking about balance is to have a serving of veggie or fruit, a mm-hmm. serving of protein and a serving of some types of like starch or grain, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's oats or potato or I don't know, whatever, rice, like whatever whatever you want to have. And so that seems to be like a really good starting point, and where you're getting some balance, you're getting some nutrition first thing in the morning, Um, and it's really funny too because of like all the different diets people on. They're like, "I can have potatoes." I'm like, "It's only right. four ounces, right?" Like, it's not like you don't like you. You're not like it's our it's attic brain.
0: I had that thought too when I started reintroducing carbs like potatoes. I was like. I can have potatoes and then I would overeat them. And I have this fear of like, if I allow myself potatoes, I'm going to spiral into all the other things I'm not supposed to eat. So I get
1: that. No, totally. And I get that too. And that's actually one of the reasons why I love having a food scale. And it's not like, oh, it's like restricting because I did have that like mentality for a while too. But I realized like over time that it actually like, forces me because this is the thing especially with food addiction my eyeballs lord (laughs) we
0: what we are um our brain or like that part of our brain is is an opportunist (laughs) is what i've heard it called i'm like yeah it give it an inch it takes a mile so we gotta master that part of our brain (laughs) <laughs> yep, And I've gone both
1: ways. Yeah. I've gone less, 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 and I've gone more, more, more. Yeah. And it is a really powerful thing to like, I mean, it's kind of like a good therapist. Like they just hold you accountable. There's no judgment in a 4.0 or 4.2, whatever, whatever, right. Like measuring the amount. I don't get crazy on that. I, I just can't <laughs> like, if I take it off and then I put it back on and I take it, I can't, it's fine. But there's no, there's no judgment in that number, right? It's like whatever judgment I, I choose to give to it on that particular day, it's just information. Right. And I have found such a peace of mind in that because again, then I'm not having to make all these decisions. Is it enough? Is it too much? Did I have enough? I'm still a little bit hungry. Should I have a little bit more? Like all of that chatter just dissipates. It's like, I've had my lunch. Awesome. Go brush my teeth life happens it's time i have my dinner it's fine you know what i mean like i measure it out i brush my teeth and it just it simplifies things in a way that i didn't know was possible and i don't know what normal people do but i'll tell you when i try and look at like you know naturally thin kind of normal people um and i and i go, oh, well, you know I have to like, you know, bring my food and I'm such a weirdo and I have to plan all the time and I have to think about it all the time. And there's like this whole like head trip around it. Those people do that, but they don't, they don't head trip about it. Right. Like I remember being a, uh, my son had a, I don't know, some event at school and there was this woman who's like, you could tell she's very, you know, naturally thin. And she pulled out of her pocket, like a little zippy bag of like carrots and celery. <laughs> and- <laughs> <laughs> like, you just do that like normally, like, right. you just take care of yourself like that. Like, you know that you're going to be there all day at an event. And so like, you, you know what I mean? Like you don't wait for someone to go get donuts and go, here you go, here's some donuts and cupcakes and coffee, right? Like you just take care of yourself because that's what you do. I'm like, okay. Like, and I started to, and that's actually one of the techniques that I use in hypnotherapy. It's called ultimate reality. Mm-hmm. And the technique is really designed to, intentionally go through the path that we have always learned from other people, other people around us, right? We look at what they're doing and we go, huh? And then we imagine what it's like for them on the inside. And then we take it and we own it in our, in ourself. And that's what I did when I was a little girl, right? I did. That's the way that the brain works and how we learn who we are and how we are and what's possible for us. So when I looked at this woman and I realized that she has a, just a glimmer about her, like a natural way that she takes care of herself that includes fresh, alive and vibrant foods and planning ahead. And I'm like, wow, that's actually normal. That is actually normal. (laughs) And so I remember taking her into one of my hypnosis sessions where I just kind of like imagined watching her through her whole entire day, how she cares for herself right how she plans and prepares for herself how she thinks about her day and knows that she's going to be away and that she's going to get hungry and she feeds her body properly and then i imagined what it would be like to be inside of her mind like not controlling anything she was doing just like what are her inner what's her inner dialogue it's obviously different than mine right what is her inner dialogue as she's going about her day as she's making these decisions as she's thinking about it as she's planning and preparing success for herself And then I'm thinking about what she's seeing and what she's hearing and her inner dialogue and the way it feels in her body. And I'm learning, I'm learning a new way to be. And then I begin the process of taking that back into my own life. And it's like, if I could see that way and hear the inner dialogue in that way and sense and feel in my body, that peace and mind and freedom, when it comes to taking care of myself and planning for my day and showing up and thinking about things ahead of time and how how it's just natural, what would that do for me today? If I had that my whole life, how would that have been different my whole life? And if I'm looking into my future, where would I really want to have this skill, this ability, this resource? I would love to have it in my morning when I'm thinking about my day. I would love to have it in my afternoon when I like I have my fresh vegetables like already packed in with me and it's not a big deal, right? I would love to have it in my evening as I'm preparing you know, my dinner for the family and having a nice cup of tea after dinner and relaxing.
0: I love that. that,
1: um, I often talk about
0: taking the time to develop that relationship with your future self in the way that you just described it. And because I I don't know what it's called, but I know that there's something happening within the brain that you are becoming familiar with that reality. And then it might be the reticular activating system. Like once you can visualize it and see it happening, then since it's familiar, since it's something, you know, it just kind of happens on its own versus you having to make it happen. Like you say, you want to buy a red Mustang and you start seeing red Mustangs everywhere. Same idea,
1: right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that is the reticular activating system. Exactly where, you know, and, and that's the power of the mind, like what we focus on gets bigger and brighter right. and we start to notice. Right. So like how, and we know, we know this, right. It's like, oh, well, you know, everyone's going to judge me. And, you know, we kind of like get into this, like, and it's like, well, that is true. <laughs> I would call it everybody, but there are, right. It's like, it's not like, no, that doesn't exist. Pretend like it doesn't exist. It's like, well, it does. Everything exists. So what that means is that there are also people who are watching you and encouraging you. There is also an inner guidance and an inner sense that is drawing you to the right people at the right time in the right situations to get exactly what you have asked for. And so that's why I tell people, I'm like, you, if you've been drawn to me, we're already here. Like trust yourself. Trust yourself that this is the next best step for you. Mm-hmm. And the need isn't the final destination, probably, right? Like we're all continuing to grow and expand, but this is the next right step. Trust that.
0: The only final destination is when we leave this, this body, in my opinion. So we're always on the journey. Um, yeah, And I think that's the human condition thinks that there's some destination where everything's going to be perfect and rainbows and lollipops. But the more that we continue down the journey, the more opportunities we have to learn new lessons and there's new challenges and we just keep expanding and evolving during our time on this earth. Okay, so we can go ahead and wrap it up. So in regard to your program, it's 12 weeks, start slow. It's a progression over time. Are you always enrolling? Are there only certain times you're enrolling?
1: So I'm always enrolling if you want to kind of do it, like, you know, on your own self pace, which some people really do, right? They're like, cool. I, I get it. But like, I don't really want to do the groups. I encourage you, especially if you don't want to do the groups to do the groups, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because that angst and that weirdness and that like irritation that you're going to have with other people is kind of like exactly the places that are asking for some attention and some awareness and some transformation. Yeah. So if you are willing, do it. If not, that's fine. You can just watch the videos. Um, <laughs> I do work with people one-on-one as well, because sometimes that actually, you know, there's some deeper stuff to be addressed that just isn't appropriate for for a group. Um, but yeah, I mean, the basic gist is that you sign up for for the group. I am happy to help. We meet once a week. It's a slow progress. And then you get to keep access to it. Um, so the, my next session will begin, you know, where we go through the coaching together in the group, uh, in January.
0: Okay, cool. Okay. So once you sign up for the 12 week program, you're always in the program and basically you're just repeating that 12 week program over and over with in it. Yeah, so I'm
1: always updating it and like adding new things to it, right? Like there right. didn't always used to be a cookbook and now there's a cookbook. So I right. added it in. So even if the people are not doing like the 12 weeks where we're live every week and like you're in, you know, my actual group and getting my support and that kind of encouragement, but you get to keep access to the content hub right. with all of the hypnosis sessions, all of the updated, you know, files and handouts and sessions and all of that kind of stuff that you get to keep forever. But the actual access to, you you know, me and the, the act the live group, that is the three months. Got it.
0: Very, very cool. Okay. Yeah. I know my ideal situation would be if someone wanted one-on-one coaching, they would be doing the group alongside one-on-one coaching. Yeah. Like yeah. no, I agree. Group coaching is so powerful. I always say like when you're in a group and someone's being coached, you are too being coached on something that you didn't know you need coaching on. And it's like, depending on how many people there it could be like 10 times the value of what you get by yourself so i agree completely yeah. plus the yeah. fact we're powerful in numbers and we create this energetic force of momentum forward <laughs>
1: and it's yeah so and you really tough. get to see yourself you know and how you how you show up you know with and other people's vulnerabilities reflect you know, and it's like, oh, I didn't even realize that, like, that was a sticking point for me. Like, I remember when I shared with some ladies that I was going, you know, off, off, you know, even though I was like putting, like, you know, my food on the scale and having the number that I was like, you know, I'm going to have more. <laughs> you know, and like a few weeks went by, but I was being honest with them. And so they, they were like, oh my God, like, I didn't want to tell. You know what I mean? I've been doing that too, but I didn't want to tell. And I'm like, you know what I found out when I really sat with myself is I was feeling, um, i was feeling like i i i wasn't enough i was feeling a lack in my relationships and it was coming out like in my in my relationship with food and they were like oh my god me too so it's like one of those aha moments and as soon as we identify it and we start talking about it it's like boom now like all of that energy that had been compressed is released and then you don't have to do it right like that's the freedom is in this like moment to moment um expression and awareness of what's happening
0: Yes, I love that and it's so cool that you are transparent
1: with your group in that way because it
0: truly shows that it's a forever evolution and journey and there is no pedestal to be on you might be x amount of steps ahead of your clients because that's typically the goal when you're a coach to be ahead on the journey but the journey never ends so I love that You show up authentically. I've, when I openly shared with my community that I gained 40 pounds and I relapsed and all of this stuff happened, it was so effing terrifying. And I still deal with like imposter syndrome on the regular because I've yet to lose that weight again. But so many people were like, thank you so much for sharing that because it lets me know that, you know, you're a real human and people had told me they had unfollowed me because they kept comparing themselves to me because I seemed like I had it all together. And it's, it's such an interesting evolution of, you know, sharing your journey openly, even if it's not on a wide scale as I do. Um, but being that person and that, you know, leader and example, and then also having your own real life stuff going on. It's, it's an interesting dynamic. So I love that you share authentically in that way with your community. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're always enrolling. Where can they find more information? If they want. Yeah.
1: Um, pretty simple. You just go to rosestein.com. So that's R O S E S T E I N rosestein.com. And, um, I'll give you a little exchange. You give me your name and email address and I shall give you, um, it's my three ways to button those jeans. So that's kind of how I phrase like the weight loss without, I like having to say weight loss because I don't like that, but I do want to feel comfortable in my body. Right. right. And part of that is kind of like, you know, it's like the, the buttoning up. And so the three ways to button those jeans and you get a free hypnosis session as well. So of course, you know, you can unsubscribe from my list, but I'd love to have you. I send out once a week. um, I send out, you know, a little emailer that oftentimes has a hypnosis session or some guidance or a story or, you know, something like that to help us, all of us along our journey. I'm a big advocate of sharing right? Like, I don't like a lot of things to be like behind a paywall now, obviously, right? Like part of the, the beauty of being a human being is to have that reciprocity, that give and take, that back and forth. Right. Yeah. And so like, yes, I do charge for my program and my time and my expertise. And I also know that, you know, that, you know, if you want to call it the healing process was a gift to me. Right. It wasn't anything I conjured out of my own, you know, being. I didn't create it. Right. It was a gift. And so, you know, you only keep gifts like that by freely giving it away. And so I'm a big advocate of that. So if you ever need anything, let me know. I'd love to have you on my email list. I'd love to have you in my group. And I'm happy to have a conversation and and see where it goes, see if hypnosis is the next right step for you. Beautiful. Yeah. That's why I put out so much content.
0: (laughs) Like, you you do, you have this calling to just share it with the world and you can't keep it in, right? So you're like, I just need to tell people some way, somehow. <laughs> and if you want to go deeper, then we can work together. I yeah. agree with that so much. It's and that's how you know that it's your calling and your purpose and your mission because you're willing to just give it away, essentially. Yeah. You know, I mean, but you can't they're...
1: help it. Literally, if somebody asks, I was
0: I told this on my Instagram stories the other day. I'm like, I'm working on this like little mini free training. I want it to be like 30 minutes, but I can't shut the heck up. So it's like an hour and a half long. <laughs> uh, that's these podcasts too. I'm like, Oh, I should keep it at 45 minutes, but I can't shut the heck up. Cause I'm just so passionate about what I'm discussing. <laughs> Me too. Awesome Rose. Well, thank you so much for coming on and um it's been such a pleasure like I said I could talk to you all day and guys definitely check her out check out her stuff I'm gonna check it out too because I'm I that's something else is coaches need coaches and that's something that I have not been super consistent with in myself is I have the story that I should have it all figured out and I shouldn't need a coach which I know that that's such bs so (laughs) I'm going to check out your community. <laughs> all <my> bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so I love it. Well, thank you for coming. Any last words before we close?
1: You are worth the energy and the effort of change. Amen. Amen.
0: If we could just get everyone to understand that. Thank you so much, Rose. Um, and yeah, we'll see you guys next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.